This is our brand new series called Our Imperfect Family, and uh, we're going to kind of handle two dynamics this month. Uh, One is going to be our family. You know, we're going to look at our own families and how God is leading us and speaking to us and helping us. But then we're also going to look at our church family, how God is leading us, speaking to us, and helping us. And uh, hope that you can make it to all four weeks. Of course, if you don't, you can watch online. But so glad you're here today. want to welcome those of you watching online, uh, those that join us on Facebook or YouTube, however you may be watching. Those of you that are on vacation, Hate to tell you, all your flowers are dead, and they're not coming back. There's no chance. That's it's it's over. But uh, can't wait to see you back. But if you're watching online, I want to encourage you to use your chat section. Help me preach the sermon. You can comment and follow along that way as well. Also, want to welcome anyone who's here for the very first time today. Uh, I'm Pastor Josh. On behalf of my wife Jessica, we're so glad that you joined us. We know that you could be a lot of places today, but you chose to be here, and we're really honored that you did. So excited to jump into this week's sermon. Uh, I've kind of had this sermon sitting aside for a while as I've been kind of thinking on it and working through it and uh, ready to jump into it today. But before we do, let's, let's pray. God, we love you so much. We're so grateful for the way that you love us and lead us. Lord, we know that you're speaking to us. God, we just pray that any distraction or any hindrance that may try to rob us of what you would want to say to us today, we just pray that those be removed. God, we want to hear you clearly and we want to run with that word that you give us. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I, from time to time, of course, mention, I think it's really important for us to try to take notes and follow along, open your Bible. Uh, if you got it on a phone, go ahead and open that up. But uh, any way that you can take notes or follow along, the uh, data out there says that you have such a better way of remembering your retention rate if you can keep notes and follow along. And I'm kind of a, a preacher who goes really fast. And so you might miss something I'm saying, but if you have that note, uh, I believe it's one of the ways that we can be obedient to scripture that says, hide the word deep in our heart. Let's hide it in our, in our hearts. And so I think that's something important to do. But today I want to just kind of open up my heart a little bit to you. I, pa- pastors, they say this, um, they, they say like, oh, I had a, I had a thought. Uh, this sermon, I had a thought. And um, that doesn't sound like very much. Sounds like oh, I had one thought. That's all I thought about this week was this one. Here you go. Uh, but this sermon for me, uh, it really is just kind of, I have one I have one example, one place in scripture we're going to look, and, and then I just kind of have one thought behind it. And um, it kind of comes from my, my sort of looking at culture and looking at my family and looking at the things that we're facing and, and uh, things that we're facing in culture. And, and it just sort of has me going like, man, you know, it feels like this. So the title of my sermon is called The Extra Mile. Uh, I feel like in the time that we're living, uh, in the way that we're trying to raise our kids, man, it sure feels like we're doing it the hard way. Trying to raise kids in righteousness, trying to raise kids in the way of the Bible, trying to have standards, trying to have morals. Gosh, it sure feels like we're taking the long way, doesn't it? You know, you look at the world and you're like, man, you know, the world tries to preach you, just do whatever makes you happy. You're like, oh gosh, that sounds really easy. That sounds really convenient. I'm only going to do what makes me happy. But we're a people that believe in God's truth and God's way. And that's why the scripture says, hey, if you're a person who puts your hand to the plow and looks back, well, why are you looking back? You're looking for something else. Hey, is there an easier way than this plowing? It says you're not fit for the kingdom. But there's great promise. There's great blessing. There's great, and when we walk in obedience and, and keep our hand to the plow, amen? And uh, I just look at our families and I look at even doing marriage. You know, it's like you got, you got marriage and, and, and you got serving in your church. You're like, gosh, this is the hard way. And I get up in the summer, uh, our setup team got here today, 7 a.m., started putting out chairs on a, on a Sunday morning in the summer. Gosh, this feels like the long way. Or your prayer life, you're getting up every single day and you're praying and you're praying and you're asking God to move and you believe he's going to move. And then you turn on the news and you're like, okay, is this prayer thing broken? <laughs> God, we're asking you to move on our behalf. And, and, and it feels like, man, we're doing this the long way. This is the hard way. Maybe in your marriage, whatever it is, tithing, you know, we're giving and we're, we're sowing and we're believing that there's reaping. It feels like this is the long way. But you know, I want to tell you today that God moves in the extra mile. 
God moves when we take the long way. Many times God uses us in the long way. Can I get an amen? There's a story, and this will be my one story that I really want to lead us through today. And uh, it's found uh, with the children of Israel. The children of Israel have been in slavery for 400 years. They've been in captivity. They haven't been able to live the way that they want to. Of course, Pharaoh has them. He's got them working, and he's got them building bricks and doing all sorts of things for him. And and they're stuck in this place. And so uh, they cry out for a deliverer. They're saying, Lord, we need a deliverer. This isn't how you've called us. You've got promises for us. You need to set us free of this. Will you send us a deliverer? And how many know that the scripture says that God did send a deliverer and his name was, come on, Bible reading, plain people, you should know. It's, his name was yeah, Charlton Heston. That's good. Yeah. Newman. Yeah. Uh, that came later. Yeah. Uh, but, but Moses, God sends Moses. He says, here's your deliverer. And this time we've sent you Moses. And of course, again, you good Bible reading plan people know that Moses shows up to Pharaoh and he says, let my people go. You got to let my people go. These, these million plus people that are found in slavery, they're in captivity. They're not living in the freedom that God designed for them. He says, let these people go. And of course, Pharaoh's like, yeah, no chance because his workforce and his economy was made up of this labor of 1.1 plus million people. And so Pharaoh says, no, Pharaoh says, you're not getting freedom. I'm not going to let you out of this. And so the scripture says that then God sends a plague. How many plagues did he send? Ten, good. You guys are on it. That came from the. This came from the. This came from the young people up here. Come on, and uh, front row young people. I like it. And so ten, ten plagues came, and uh, each one got more severe. Uh, God sends the first one. Pharaoh doesn't take it serious. Second, third, fourth, all the way into the last one, which is a plague of death. Uh, sadly and unfortunately, uh, we see that the firstborn of every family was, was wiped out, was killed. And so uh, now Pharaoh says, okay, this, I've had enough. Uh, he had once had this hardened heart toward God. He says, I, I can't deal with this anymore. And he sends the people out. He said, get them out of here. Get these people out of here. And so they're on their way. And this is where we pick up in Exodus chapter 13, verse 17. It says, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country Though it was shorter, shorter, that was the easier road. That wasn't the extra mile. That wasn't the long way. It was the shorter way. It was the easier way. It was the more convenient way. It was the less controversial way. It was the way that made their flesh happy. I mean, you know what I'm talking about? It was the way that they said, oh, you know, everybody else over here gets to do it this way. We want to do it the easy way. And God said, no, you're not going the shorter way. You're going the way that I have for you, which was a much longer way. And then it says this, for God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around the desert toward the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt ready for battle. Israelites thought it was just going to be this way. We're going to go across the Mediterranean Sea. I'll give you the picture here in just a little bit. But we thought we'd be going this way. And God says, no, I need you to go the long way. I need you to go the extra mile. And living as Christians in this culture that we're in right now, it feels like we're on the long road, the extra mile. But can I tell you, God is in the extra mile. Jess and I, we were coming back from up north. We had finished up some meetings. And uh, as we finished up the meetings, uh, we said, hey, we got some time. We should play golf on the way back. And so I searched golf courses on 131, uh, just on the way down, 131, is there any golf courses? And so we found one that was about five miles off of 131, and we said, okay, let's hit that. And so I throw it in Apple Maps, and it's taking us that way, and we take the exit, and as soon as we get off the exit, there's a huge billboard for the golf course that we are going to go play. And it says, golf course, straight ahead this way, just continue straight to go this way. However, Apple Maps was saying, turn right. 
And I was like, Apple, what are you talking about? This is ridiculous. Like the sign is literally right there saying, continue straight, continue straight. And so I ignore Apple Maps. Like, ah, forget about that. We're just going to go on the easier path. It says literally just continue straight this way to the golf course. So I get going a little bit. And there's like a stop sign. And there's another thing. And all of a sudden, I'm starting to realize, okay, maybe Apple knew a little bit better than me. <laughs> maybe Apple had something. And so I get going. And then, of course, we hit congestion. All of a sudden, and now the whole time, it's telling us, get right, get out of here, get over here. And I thought about the same thing. We do that same thing to God. We go, but God, all the signs in my life say I should just be going straight. And God's going like, nah, it's really better for you if you go right. No, but look at right in front of me as a sign. All my friends, all the people and culture and social media, they're all saying the better way to go is straight. And God's like, nah, I'm telling you, you got to listen to me. How many are with me? We get frustrated with God because we want to go from here to there. And God says, you're not ready for that. You don't want that. I'm going to take you on the long way, but it's the better way. Can I get an amen? We think we know the best way, but scripture tells us that his ways are higher. He knows the better ways, and we can't get frustrated when God puts us on the longer path or the extra mile. God, why are you taking me this way when I could just be going this way? God says, oh, I know better for you. Here's a map of what this would have looked like for them, their journey. You can see they start off kind of in the corner there. In the way uh, of the Philistines, it says there, the right to the promised land uh, is Pacific Coast Highway. Like, oh, look, we've been set free. God sent us our deliverer. Let's just have a nice little cruise along the water here. The dolphins will be jumping. Well, it's some amazing seafood restaurants, I'm sure, along the way. That's going to be flat because it's coastal, and we're going to be able to just go right into the promised land. Let's go that way. Instead, God's like, no, I actually want you to go the way of the wilderness, which is actually mountain terrain, and it's forest, and it's going to be a lot more work. I'm going to need you to go this way. Uh, What's interesting for Moses is, of course, he leads the people that way. Everybody's going, oh, this will be perfect. We're set free. Let's just take Pacific Coast Highway. And then Moses gets up and goes like, hey, everybody, we're going to take the mountains in the wilderness. We're going to go the long way around. I'm so grateful he didn't listen to the commentary. Because how many know at that time, I'm sure there were some people piping up being like, excuse me, the know-it-all people. Excuse me, Moses. Um, It looks to me like it makes a lot more sense for us to go straight. I know you're the leader, but uh, Pacific Coast Highway looks really nice. We should just go that way. And he didn't listen to the commentary. How many know that our culture has a lot to say? Our culture has a lot of chirping and tweeting and and piping up to do. We got to learn to be the same kind of people as Moses who say, look, I know you're all getting into your commentary, but I still need to go the way of the Lord. Can I get an amen? It may feel longer. It may feel like the wilderness. It may feel like it's going to be a lot more work, but I'm going with what God said. Can I get an amen? So we can't be a people who listen to commentary. We listen to God. I'll bet Moses looks down from heaven right now and is like, thank God we didn't have social media. He's trying to lead a million plus people and they all have Facebook and they can update their status. They're online and they're going through the wilderness and like, oh, look, look at everybody in the Mediterranean. Look at that. Oh, look at it. It's the Coast Guard Festival at Mediterranean. Look at the fireworks. They're having a great time. Oh, look at the cruise boat in the Mediterranean. We're over here in the wilderness. This is fantastic. And he didn't, he didn't, he didn't have to deal with that. Thank God. But I bet he looks down and looks at it and says, oh, what is this? Because Here's what happens with social media. Here's what happens. God puts us on the long mile. He puts us on the extra road, which is the plan that he has for us. Then we jump on social media and we look at the the path that everybody else has. And we compare our path to their path and it steals our joy. We all know this. Comparison is the thief of joy. God said, no, this is the path that I have for you. This extra mile, the long road, it feels like it's, it's not a good thing, but it is a good thing. And we compare it to the other thing and it steals us of our joy. Egypt to Canaan is less than 200 miles. That first path right there is less than 200 miles of what that journey would have been. It's about a 10-day journey. Instead, God calls them through the wilderness, which is 600 miles, and was supposed to take about 40 days. 
about 40 days, about three times the thing. It was supposed to be about 40 days. How many know it took how long? 40 years. Good. All right. Liam over here is raising his hand. He's proper. He's, he's in. Uh, your dad, you're, you're on it. You, you win the prize of the day. Your dad's got 100 bucks for you after service. Okay. Yeah, good. And uh, yeah, and, and don't come to my office asking for it, Doug. I, it's, not, it's just... Um, so this much longer route, all of a sudden this much, much longer route along the way, this, this much bigger journey. Proverbs 14, 12 says it this way, that there is a way that appears to be right. There's all these ways in our life that appear to be right, but in the end it leads to death. God works different. He sees different than us. His ways are higher than our ways. He sees things different than us. I can't tell you how many times God called us to something. Or it's called somebody, I notice something. You say, all right, I'm, I'm getting out of Egypt. I'm getting out of this slavery. And I'm going over to the promised land, this keyboard land. I'm going to get over to here. Okay, God, you gave me the vision. I can see what you have for me. And I'm ready to go there. And then all of a sudden, your first move, you're swooped over to here. Well, that wasn't the step I thought I was going to take. I thought you called me to that, God, and now I'm just back over another step. And then God moves, and all of a sudden you're like, okay, good, God's moved, and we've been in a good season. He's blessing us, and we get to here. You're like, oh, I'm almost there. God's been faithful. God, you've been so faithful. And then all of a sudden, shh, some, and you're two steps back. You're like, God, where'd you, where'd you go? What happened here? And you get another detour. You get this holy detour where God kind of moved you and shifted you. And I'm just up here to tell you today that, listen, every single detour in my life has been one of the greatest parts of the destiny that God has in my life. I would never give back any detour. Hard, horrible, wilderness, climbing, mountains, rocky terrain, all of this terrible territory. God shifted and moved in territory. But now I stand in a place where I would never give that detour back. Can I get an amen? The long way, the extra mile, you go, God, all of these kind of things, but it produces something in us. Can I get an amen? amen? If it wasn't for the wilderness, the children of Israel would have never had a Mount Sinai experience. They came down through the wilderness and got to Mount Sinai, and that's where God gave Moses the Ten Commands. They had this amazing encounter with God because God took them along this journey. And in that process, they had this understanding that in this waiting season, they wouldn't let it be a wasted season. During COVID, I preached a sermon. You can find it online. It says, we can't let a waiting season be a wasted season. God, I'm in the long road. This is the extra mile. Why do I got to go this far? Everybody else gets it quicker than I do. Everybody else has the short path, the blessed life, all this kind of thing. Why, why do I got to go to the long way? Because in this waiting season, God has so much he wants to produce if we don't waste it. Can I get an amen? We love big faith-filled words. Everybody gets around each other with these big faith-filled words, and we say, oh, God's calling you to advance and take territory, and God's going to do a suddenly in your life. And we, we say, God's launching you, and you're going to go. Can I give you a great faith word that you should be encouraged by and that you should hang on to? This is a faith word we can put out there. It's called this word, Yet. I'm in this wilderness season. I feel like I'm stuck in this desert. Or we can say, I'm in this desert, but I'm not quite there yet. We say, oh, my kids, uh, they're not coming back to God yet. Hey, this marriage isn't thriving and fulfilling and what I thought it was going to be yet. My finances aren't on stable ground and living up to what I thought they would be yet. Can I get an amen today? Our faith words are, hey, I don't quite know what my purpose is and God, how, how God's using me, what he's doing in this yet, because there is power in our yet and in our waiting season. Amen. Psalm 37, three says this, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. I put it down like this. Point number one is this. The extra mile protects us. 
Many times when God is taking us the long way and, and we're in this imperfect family and we can't figure it all out and we don't know how our family's going to make it and how it's going to work out, how we're going to raise righteous kids in all this culture, we don't understand how it's all going to work. We understand this, that in this long road, this trusting God process, he promises us safe pasture. The extra mile protects us. Uh, the Philistines at this time were the most war-hungry people of the time. Uh, these Philistines, they were the most advanced in w- war weaponry. They were the most advanced in terms of their military skill. They had fortified cities. And so the scripture teaches us that had the children of Israel gone direct route, they would have faced these Philistines completely unprepared. The reason they were completely unprepared is because for 400 years, all they knew how to do was build bricks, harvest straw, go do all this field, all these other things. They didn't know anything about weaponry and military and force. And so the scripture teaches us that, that God said in scripture, hey, you can't run at them because you might run back. What he was saying is, hey, if I let you go that way, many of you would have been killed and many of you would have run back right into slavery. Because the long road, the extra mile, many times protects us. Can I get an amen? I wrote it down like this. If God hasn't given it to you yet, he's protecting you from something that would destroy you. My son, Charlie, is a foodie. He just loves food. He's got a huge appetite. He, like, eats as much as I do. And I don't even know. He's seven years old. I don't even know who, like, teaches these kids or how they figure it out. But all of a sudden, at this crazy young age, they also have an expensive appetite. Dad, I want shrimp. Dad, I want steak. I'm like, I want you to get a job, you know. (laughs) And so we'll go to make steaks. And and, and I kind of like a bougie steak. Somebody like bougie, just Google it. You'll figure it out later. But... I like a nice, and, and it's called a bistro steak, and the reason I like it, it's, a, it's an expensive one. We don't get it very often because it's a treat, but it's a real thick cut of steak, and what you can do is you can grill. You can really sear the outside to have a really good crust, and so it's really good and seared on the outside, but because it's thick, the inside stays just the way the Lord intended it, nice and bloody and red and juicy. Can I get an amen? If you like burnt steak, I got good news for you. There's lots of them in hell where you're going to be. So you're going to get a bunch of them there. But I would like them to be the way that Jesus intended them, washed in the blood. Can I get an amen? So I'll be grilling, and it might be steak or chicken or whatever. I'm out there grilling, and my son has, like, no patience. And so he'll always come out, and he'll say, like, when is it going to be ready? I'm like, soon, bud. It takes, you know, perfection. It takes a minute. You know, we got to get this right. He says, it's taking so long. It's like his catchphrases. He says it in the car. says, when's it going to be ready? It's taking so long. And it wouldn't be very loving of me as, as a father to be like, you know what? Fine. This piece of raw chicken is not done, but you can have it. Here, here, have this chicken. No, it's not ready. Therefore, I'm protecting you. You understand what I'm talking about? It's not ready. Therefore, I'm protecting you. I wrote it down this way. God cares more about your safety than he does your satisfaction. But God, I want that. I want to get to that. That's what I want. God, give me that. I want to get to that. He's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We got to make sure you're prepared. We got to make sure you're ready. We got to make sure it's done in you before I can get you that. The shortest route isn't always the safest route. God protects us in this extra mile, the long road. The shortest route isn't always the safest route. Second Thessalonians 3.3 3 says this, But the Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. Strengthens us on that long road. He strengthens us on that extra mile. He strengthens us and protects us. Verse 4, We have the confidence in the Lord that you are doing and will continue to do the things we command. Verse 5, May the Lord direct your hearts into God's love and Christ's perseverance. So God's going to strengthen and he's going to protect you, but he's also going to produce perseverance in you. 
There's going to be this road, this long, this extra mile, where God's doing a thing on the inside of you and in your family and in your marriage. So point number two is this, the extra mile prepares us. The reason God takes us on the extra mile or the long road is because it's preparing us. Do you know that before the children of Israel faced their first battle, after being delivered and coming out of Egypt, they didn't face a battle for, some say, somewhere between 110 and 130 years is how long it took before they actually encounter and face someone in a battle. So about 110, 130 years, all sorts of things happened. You had different leaders, Moses, Joshua, Aaron. You had all these different hierarchies of people who were doing different things. What were they doing? They were establishing them and preparing them as a people who could then go in and advance in war. What I'm trying to say is behind the scenes, God was preparing them for when their platform moment came. 110, 130 years, he's doing a work in them along, along the way. I believe that God prepares us behind the scenes before he ever puts us in a platform scene. Everybody wants the platform. Oh, God, I want to be the leader. Oh, God, make me the business leader. Make me the boss. Oh, God, make me the preacher. Make me the person who can be the thing and do the thing. And God is saying, I got to take care of you in the private before I can ever give you the platform. We saw it in David so many times. King David, he's out in the field taking care of the bear. He's taking care of the things in the private place. That way, when God gave him the Goliath platform, he was ready. God works in the long term. I wrote it down like this. God is more interested in what he's doing in you than what he can do through you. God is more interested in what he's doing in you than what he can do through you. It makes us a little bit uncomfortable if you're a church person. You're like, I don't know about that. Think about this. At any moment, God could use any one of us to do anything. He chose a donkey in scripture and used him in a moment. Why doesn't God just use us all the time to do anything? It's because God is interested in producing and developing our character before he ever uses us and goes through us. He always develops us in private before displaying us in public. There's a preparation that I believe the extra mile and the long road does in us and does in our families. There's this preparation that God does. Abraham Lincoln says it this way. He says, I will prepare and someday my chance will come. He didn't say, I'm just sitting around waiting for my chance to come. One day I'm going to get my shot. No, he said, I'm going to prepare. I'm going to prepare. I'm going to continue to prepare. And then when that chance comes, I'm going to be prepared. We live in a culture in America where we just sit around and wish and hope that our chance is going to come. We as Christians, we sit around and say, when's God going to bless me? I'm just sitting around waiting and hoping. When's God going to bless me? When's my blessing on the way? And God's like, are you preparing? Are you seeking me? Are you pursuing me? Are you turning your heart toward me? Are you, are you getting ready for me to be able to advance you? Can I get an amen? Social media has kind of ruined uh, our our definition of success. You know, the reality is we don't have overnight success. We have overnight fame. Somebody in like a minute all of a sudden become famous and they're famous for two weeks. And then we all think, wow, look at them. I want to be an overnight success, but that's just overnight fame. Overnight success. If you find anybody who has true success, you see that it's something that's gone on for a long time and they've endured and they've pushed the plow and they've been people who've been faithful and they've been committed and they walk with integrity and they have great planning. Can I get an amen? There's no such thing as overnight success. It takes great faithfulness. It's the same thing in our families, in our, in our churches. Many of us who are walking in the fullness that God has for us, it's because grandma was praying for us and our parents were praying for us. Are you with me today? We've sown it in and we've set it in. And so I thought about it like this for us. How is God preparing you? What, what is he doing? We got to ask the question to God. We, in these moments, we say, God, in this moment, the extra mile, the long way, when it doesn't seem to be coming together as fast as I thought it was, we ask the question to God, God, what are you trying to do 
in me? What are you trying to do in me? Many times as we get in seasons as a church, we'll talk as a staff or Jess and I will talk uh, as husband and wife over this church. We'll, we'll say, I wonder what the Lord is trying to do with us here. I wonder what the Lord is trying to do with the church. What is he trying to do in us? What, what, what direction do we think he's trying to take us through? We're not saying, how are we going to get there? When's God going to do this for us? It's, what is he trying to do in us? What is he trying to prepare us for? Can you get an amen? My thought is you got to ask God in these seasons of the long road, God, how are you preparing? We think it all happens overnight. We think all of this comes together overnight, which you don't see. We love this church the way it is now. Oh, we love our church, and they do this, and they do that, and we think this is something we all put together like in a matter of a couple of weeks. Oh, we put this together, and we planned this for a couple months, but the reality is we're walking in what someone has sown generationally. We're walking in what the prayers of people before this church ever planted. People all over the world calling and saying, hey, we're praying for you. We're praying that that thing's going to launch healthy. We're, we're standing in the prayers of people that have gone way before this day ever came. It's this season of God is preparing. Preparation matters to God's process. Proverbs 24 verse 27, this is a hilarious scripture. Proverbs 24 27 says this, put your outdoor work in order and get your fields ready. After that, build your house. Men, this is just what I'm here to tell you. You can say, wife, woman, um, don't say that. <laughs> I know you're wanting to decorate today. I know you want to get all your pottery barn on and we got to get out the decoration, but we got a yard to cut. And the scripture says we got to do our outdoor work first. We got some weed whipping to do. And then I'll help you guys with counseling later. We'll get you connected. <laughs> this is what this verse actually means. This is what this verse means. It means you got to make sure you've prepared the harvest before you can just go put your feet up in the house. You got to make sure you're taking care of where your harvest is going to come from. You're sowing the seed, you're planting the ground, you're tilling the thing, you're taking care of all of the stuff that's actually going to produce harvest before you be a people who can go kick back and hang in the house. There's some preparation. There's seed time and harvest. It's how God works. But we got too many Christians that aren't putting anything in the ground. They're not putting any effort in anything. And they're saying, God, why aren't you blessing me? Where's the harvest? No, God, God goes the long road, the extra mile at times. And it's important for us to make sure we're preparing. Yeah. Scripture gives us this promise in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. It says this, but those who wait on the Lord. Oh, we hate waiting. I was talking to someone in between service. Do you know that the number one word coupled with the word faith, the number one word used with the word faith in scripture, anytime you see those two, uh, these two, the word faith coupled with another word, the highest word used with faith is patience. It doesn't say faith and takeover. It doesn't say faith and advancement. It says faith and patience are the two most used together. So the scripture, and we hate that. Oh, I'm in a waiting season. Oh, I'm in an extra mile season. Oh, I'm in the long road mile Isaiah says, but those who wait on the Lord shall do what? Shall renew their strength. Meaning this, you shall be restored. You shall be renewed. You shall be made alive again in God when we're people who learn to just wait and say, God, whatever you want to do in me is okay. I'm, I'm okay going on the long road, the extra mile, because I know that it's renewing and restoring me. Can I get an amen? I'll close with this. My last point is this. The extra mile displays God's supernatural power. The extra mile displays God's supernatural power. Some of the greatest miracles of the Bible happened in these 40 years of this extra mile. 
Some of the most amazing signs and wonders happened as the children of Israel were led along the wilderness way instead of Pacific Coast Highway. Think about this. There's a story where uh, we know one of the things that miracles that happened along this way was they're, of course, in the desert. And they go to Moses and they're super hungry and they're like, we need some food. You know, what are you going to do? We need food. And so the scripture says uh, that Moses prays and from heaven, God drops manna. He drops supernaturally down all of this bread. Notice the scripture didn't say it was kale. It wasn't Brussels sprouts. It wasn't asparagus. He hooked them up with some garlic bread. I imagine if their hearts were right that day, a little Caesar crazy bread. I mean, he was taking care of his people. But then after that, they're kind of sick of the bread. We don't want any more bread. We're going on bread. We, we want something else. That's why they were called the children of Israel. They were never satisfied. So we don't want bread anymore. So, okay. So he prays again. Scripture says, uh, after he prays two cubits deep, which is about three feet deep, the scripture says, as far as the eye can see, God drops quail, bird. Again, he blessed us with some meat. Can I get an amen? And so he, all this quail, he, he deliver, unbelievably provides for them supernatural food. We also know along the way, the Red Sea was split. They got to see the miraculous on the extra mile, the long way. They got to see the Red Sea deliverance. We also see that along the way, they, they were protected fire by night and cloud by day. They got to see this supernatural thing. We also know that Moses struck a rock and water came from it. They saw this supernatural miracle along the way. I wrote it down like this. Miracles of God are always on the extra mile. The miracles of God, some of the best miracles I've ever experienced are when we were on a road we didn't want to be on. I can't believe they got this diagnosis. I can't believe that this happened to them. I can't believe that they did this to us and that happened here. God, why are we having to go on this path? And some of the most amazing miracles come on those roads that we don't really want to take. God, I wish I could take the short road. But you get going along the extra mile in the long way and you say, oh my gosh, God, you're so amazing. I love you so much. Are you with me? I remember we were planting this church. It was one of the extra mile opportunities. Uh, we were getting ready to plant and, you know, it's a really long story. I could give you a lot of detail, but we were in a situation where uh, they tell you it takes about a year to plant a church. And uh, we didn't go public with the launching of this church until the last Sunday of August. And our goal was to plant the second Sunday of January. And in between all of there was a bunch of holidays, Thanksgiving, Christmas, all that kind of stuff. So we knew we'd lose momentum kind of heading into the launch. And so we said, God, this is well what you called us to do. And he provided for us this building and space. And, and at the end of the extra mile, the long road, uh, we were really short on money. They say you need about $100,000 to plant a church. And uh, we were coming up well short of that. But we had a matching donor. So someone said, hey, we can match you up to $50,000 if you raise $50,000. And we were coming up well short. And so, uh, you know, part of the, we didn't have one whole year. We had this short time frame. So there was another denominational church who had found out that we were planting and they wanted to partner with us. And they said, hey, we're going to give you a significant amount of money. Uh, and then your matching donor can match that money. We'll get you launched on time. And of course, in our heart, we're like, this isn't going to be amazing. We're grateful. And then as we got down the road with them a little bit more, they said, yeah, hey, you know, if we're going to do this, though, you need to be our denomination. You need to follow our bylaws. You need to be able to run things like this, this and this. And it's not the way that God called us to do it. And so I remember it was actually in the parking lot of this building. I remember being like, man, we have to say no to this. We need this money. And I remember like with God, you're like, God, the finish line's right here. <laughs> like, God, don't, don't you see? We need to do this. And you got us on the long road. And God, we, we got to say no to this. 
So I remember calling. It's like, hey, and they're fully expecting me to say, yeah, we're in. We'd love the check, and we do the thing. And so I call them, and I'm like, hey, we, we're, we can't do that. We're not, we're not going to do that. And they were so surprised. I remember hanging up the phone being like, I can't believe we just said no to that much money. But we knew that we were called, and we were assigned, and we got had a specific route that we needed to take, and that wasn't it. That was the short route. That was the easy way. So I remember being like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe we just said no to that. And so that was in the parking lot, and just over on this side of the building is our church mailbox. I can't remember if it was the same day or if it was like the next day, but I remember going over to the church mailbox and opening up the mailbox, getting over there, and oh, there's an envelope in here, and I opened it up, and there was a check out of nowhere from somebody that we never thought would give that much money that gave us just about the same amount as the other thing was going to give us out of nowhere. The supernatural power of the long road, God's miracles along the way. We were able to get our matching funds, launch with all the money that God called us to, and we stayed true to the road that God gave us. Can I get an amen today? The miracles along the way are, are, are the best part of the long road. Uh, I love, of course, being a pastor, but I love as we do the Bible reading plan. Some of you who've maybe not read through the Old Testament very much, you text me and uh, you're like, Pastor, I got a question. I'm like, yeah, what's up? And you're like, what the heck does this mean in the Old Testament? And you're like, what is this? And I feel like this is one of it. This is the same passage I just read you about the children of Israel leaving. And then there's this funny part on the end that just makes you go, wait, what? Exodus chapter 13, verse 19 says this. It says, so when they were leaving, it says, Moses took the bones of Joseph with him. Took the bones of Joseph with him. We're free. Let's get out of here. Hey, y'all, go get those bones. <laughs> Here's why. Because Joseph was the previous deliverer. He, when he was second in command, 400 years before, when he was second in command of all of Egypt, there was a famine, and he took care of God's people at this time. So he was the previous deliverer, and he went on to say this. He took the bones with him. Joseph had made the Israelites swear an oath. He said, God will surely come to your aid, and then you must carry my bones up with you from this place. I don't know for sure, but I just imagine some scrawny little teenager, right? That's his job. Oh, hey, we're going, we're in the wilderness, we're out here in the desert, and there's this little kid, he's just got this bag of bones. He's got this box of bones or something. He's like, hey, what, what, what's your job here as part of the children of Israel? I'm going through this thing. Oh, I'm, I'm carrying Joseph's bones. It's my job, I got this thing. Well, why would they have you carry bones? Why would they have you carry bones? Because I believe it was a testimony, as Joseph said, remember. It's a remembrance, carrying the faithfulness of God with them. He said, do this, swear this as an oath that you can remember that God is a deliverer. If he's done it once before, he'll do it again. When I get myself on the extra mile in the long road and I don't think God's going to do it and I don't think he's going to show up for me and I don't think he's going to see me through to the end. Oh yeah, he's done it before. I imagine when they got to the Red Sea, Moses was like, well, this is it guys, the Red Sea and their chariots are coming in on us. And here comes the teenager, but, 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 but Moses, the bones, remember God's delivered us before. And he'll do it again. Moses is called to strike the rock. And he's like, oh, I got us in this thing. And then the little kid comes up with the thing. He's like, but remember the bones? God's done it before. That's what we got to do along the extra mile in the long road is we got to go. We got to go, oh, this doesn't look good. And I don't like this long road. And it doesn't seem like this is the way that God has for me. Oh, but I remember my deliverer. I remember that my God is with me. Can I get an amen? I wrote it down like this. When the path is the most difficult it is often the time we find God the most. When the path is the most difficult, it is often the time we find God the most. 
It's not that he's hiding himself or holding himself back or respecter of persons, but it's when we get on that long road and we let him produce something in us and, and grow something in us. And, and in the private places he's developing us, it's where we get to know him more. It's where we get to experience him the most when we're letting him do all that he has in our lives. Amen? Let me pray for you. God, we love you so much. We're so grateful for the way that you love us and lead us. God, we're a people who say yes to the extra mile in the long road. God, in our family, in our marriages, in our finances, when things don't look perfect and it feels like you're taking us the long way in the way that we don't understand, in the way that we can't see, God, we know that your ways are higher. So God, let us be a people who wait on you. Allow you to be the God who can come in and renew our strength and restore us in our times of need. God, I pray for those who are weary on the long <laughs> journey. Strengthen them now in this room as they're here, represented physically in this room. God, right now in their seats, strengthen them. Renew them, restore them. Increase their hope. Show them grace. I rebuke the devourer over their lives. The accuser of the brethren, we silence his mouth. God, I thank you that you're giving them a testimony of the miraculous. Lord, I thank you that they will have a bag of bones of testimony of your goodness, that they're going to be able to remind many along the way of who you are. Lord, you're here and you're moving. Lord, as you choose in this place right now, we ask you to do what only you can do. Heal. You're the healer. Provide. You're the provider. Restore. Bring peace. Heal thought lives. Break generational curses. Tear down the walls of addiction. Deliver like you do. We honor and we thank you for, the God, for being the God who loves us and leads us. God, we know your leading is for our protection. So we submit to it. We give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.